Hey, it's David Cicerelli, the CEO and founder of Voices. Well, today on the show, we have Jamie Bradley, head of creative enablement for Vidmob. Jamie and I are going to be talking about the creative process, how sound is used in online advertising, and how to deliver actionable insights. But first, let me introduce Jamie. Jamie's based in New York City, and in her role at Vidmob, she oversees the teams responsible for the health and expansion of a global creative network, as well as maintaining and up-leveling Vidmob's expertise across a multitude of capabilities to drive the highest quality creative. Now, Jamie joined Vidbob early on as employee 35, originally in project management, and since she's managed across multiple functions in order to help scale up services and deliverables. Now, Jamie's personal and professional histories rooted in creativity, and she's deeply motivated by nurturing creativity in others and using diversity of thought to drive an incredible impact. So welcome to the show, Jamie. Wow, David, thank you. Oh, intro. awesome. Well, I, we, we were just chatting about how, um, how we're, we're oozing creativity, I think, to use your, your term, because we're, uh, we're dressed in black this morning. I think we're going to be talking a lot about creativity, and maybe one just to kind of get things rolling, you know, might be a philosophical question uh, here for you. But in your view, you know, can creativity be, you know, taught? Is it a matter of skill that can be learned and, and honed over time? Or uh, one of those things where you kind of either have it or you don't? I love this question, David, because it's one that I have personally grappled with in my personal life and in my professional mm-hmm. career. So I think that there are some people that literally need to be creating or else they drop dead, <laughs> right? Yeah. Singers and painters and animators, you name it. Like I've met these people in my life that have to go home and make something. And I'm, and I've, I'm not one of those people, frankly, and I've always been jealous of them and jealous of their ability to just create. So yeah, I think I truly believe that you can do almost any job and use creativity to do it, right? So like new bold ideas, when you break the mold of what's normal, when you're trying something new, all of those are forms of creativity. And so working with creative people that remind me to think differently, that push me, that inspire me, I think that's, I found to be my sweet spot. And it, and honestly, it took a lot of pressure off of me to like become the next Picasso because right. that's certainly never going to happen. So to answer your question... I kind of wonder if the question is less about if you can learn to be creative and more about how do we help people to unlock the creativity that they have already within them. Yeah, right? I, I, you know, I was just going to respond with that is like it's almost like whether you're um, you almost need to discover it for yourself, your, you know, your version of how you express creativity. It's um, sometimes it's pulling things apart. Sometimes it's putting them back together. You know, it's mixing or mashing up, you know, other people's creative work, getting inspiration from those sources. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely there's, um, uh, you know, a, a cohort or a contingency of people who have the notebook, the Moleskine notebook, where you always got to be jotting an idea down. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it, you know, irrespective of how you express it, I think that's, you know, a really good practice to do because sometimes ideas strike when you least expect them. Either you're inspired by the world around you um, or maybe you, you see, a, you know, a, a, a new shape or the sun hits something just differently. And you're like, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've walked by here a hundred times and I kind of didn't really think of it this way. Yeah. And whether that's, um, you know, maybe there's, is there a personal story there as well where, you know, you had a, a moment in life, if you will, where um, it, it did kind of inspire an idea for either a new campaign or even a pitch to a client where, you know, like, you know, something happened in life, uh, you know, an experience you might be willing to share. Yeah, it's funny. I think you're dead on that creativity is really dynamic, right? So mm. you 
if you're surrounded by creative thinking or creative people, your creativity elevates. And mm. it makes me think of um, maybe a couple of years ago now, uh, somebody posted in one of our channels for VidMob and was like freaking out because uh, AI, artificial intelligence, had started to figure out um, it, it was an example of how AI could make uh, design, like design furniture without a, a person. So the okay. example was, it was wild. So the example was um, an avocado chair and AI just, just like created all of these different variations of what an avocado chair could look like. And so there was no person involved. It was truly just artificial intelligence coming up with all of these like uh, ideas that normally like a furniture designer would come up with. So right. everybody, at the, everybody was freaking out. Everybody was like, Oh my God, like did, did AI just put a furniture designer out of business? Like, mm. and so we were all thinking about this because in, at Vitma we utilize AI, right? So mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're like, we don't. And, and so we have this marriage of AI and human creativity. And, and normally that's causes a lot of friction, right? It's kind of like a battle for like human versus machine. Mm -hmm. And our whole business model is how do we marry these two things together? And so this yeah. example came up, and we were like stumped for a second of, oh my God, did we just put this furniture designer out of business? And then we realized actually, no, what we did is we didn't do it, but what AI did was it actually raised the floor. So it, it's giving that furniture designer all of these ideas of avocado chair. And then that furniture designer gets to elevate their creativity and do what only a human can do, which is to take it to the next level. Yeah, refine, so of, refine it, if you will. Yeah. It's like, actually, maybe you didn't think of that before, but I could see how I might make that even better. That's just um, the starting and, line now, yeah. which is which is wild, right? So, like, it's really exciting to think about how cr our creativity as people is going to continue to evolve as we raise the floor with, with other technologies. Well, well, let's talk about that creative process at VidMob. You know, you'd mentioned, you know, does it actually start with AI or is it um, a number of people in a room brainstorming? Maybe, maybe just kind of unpack that because... Uh, each each you know firm each group are going to have maybe a different creative process um, yeah. and 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 what is it like for you and the team at Vidmob? Yeah, so Vidmob in a in an overall sense was really created to reduce creative friction for marketers. So I'm proud to say that the creative process is very simple, right? Mm. I think creative, um, especially creating video content, historically has been. Um, really cumbersome, right? When the when the world shifted from static works to no, we need video. Marketers mm -hmm. were stumped, right? They were like, "How are we supposed to create new, fresh content like every couple of days, right? Like usually yeah. that's what we make for the Super Bowl." <laughs> so, thanks to our data and analytics, we're really experts in every platform, every ad unit, creative technique. So, really, what we just need to know from a, a client is like what they want to create. And from there, we really do the heavy lifting. So we we use that data again to raise the floor, right? So we're not guessing, we're not starting from nothing. We know historically, this is these are kind of the creative decisions that have worked or haven't worked for your brand. And so we can start there and then we overlay uh, human creativity, creative direction, design, animation in order to actually bring those things to life. So, mm -hmm. um, and then clients are doing all of this through our platform to actually get their creative made. And so the deliverable would be a collection of videos, not just one, it sounds like. That's definitely what we would recommend. We do everything from stills to video to creative automation. Um, mm -hmm. But our the name of the game is definitely test and learn, right? It's putting out iterations and different, different little tweaks and variations and seeing what works for your audiences um, and utilizing the, the, 
data and analytics to tell you more. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a really important point, which is around this this notion of the need for new video every couple days in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, we've all been there. You're scrolling through a social media feed. And if you've seen the ad before, you've seen the video, it might be interesting the first time. But afterwards, you're like, oh, I've seen this before. And in, to, the, to the point where increasingly I uh, admittedly find myself like um, reporting as like seeing this ad too often where I'm mm. just like, interesting, I got it. I might have even clicked through, so I'm probably on some remarketing list somewhere. Yeah. However, I don't need to see it again. Show, almost this desire to kind of show me something new. Have you, yep. is, there's this, is there's this understanding amongst brand advertisers that the shelf life is almost like that one view per person and hence therefore you really need a lot of variations it might be the same theme but it's like theme and variation uh pulling from my my piano lesson days Um, (laughs) is that kind of like is that what advertisers um are starting to recognize and really what you're championing yeah so it's a combination of shelf life and then uh like grabbing attention right Mm. so not only are you you know likely to see an ad and then kind of lose interest uh, after you've seen it. But also even within that one ad, you're likely to lose interest after a few seconds, right? So it's like, it's just compounding all of that into like literally six, the first six seconds, really we say three seconds, we should have some sort of like really gripping moment. But what you're talking about, David, is ad decay, right? And it's kind of been Mm. the... uh, the the one guarantee in in advertising is you will experience ad decay mm-hmm. and um there's still value in in repetitively showing an ad right it's kind of that top of mind sometimes because i'm in this industry sometimes i'm like i know what you're doing and it still gets me i'm like yeah so but i think what we're trying to do is is something that that advertising i don't think ever thought would would be possible which is literally remove this idea of ad decay so as your ad performs we're learning every step of the way, not based on just performance data, which has been accessible for a while, but based on creative data, what Mm -hmm. elements in the creative are working or working against you. And we can bring that, we can take that ad back to the drawing board and constantly update it by swapping scenes, by changing messaging, all these little things, changing the voiceover, the way it reads, like whatever we're doing. So actually your ad has the potential to perform better over time which is like mind blowing for advertisers because they just expect that ad decay. So we're really changing the game in that way. No, that's awesome. You have a, you, I mean, you have a stat on your website, I think to this effect, where you mentioned um, that 70% of campaign results are actually driven by the creativity. So I think mm. this is what you're referring to is like, we're swapping out elements of that creativity. It might be, um, you know, almost like the, uh, uh, the same base ad, but you, as you mentioned, the capability of like swapping out a particular scene, maybe the call to action um, at, uh, at the end of it. Is that, you know, am I, am I, are we on the right same path here? Yeah. Yeah. So all of our creative is, is very results driven. So it's one of the first things, one of the first things we ask our clients is what is your KPI? What does success look mm. like? So whether it's brand awareness, consideration, conversion, once we have that information, we can build the creative around that desired outcome. So for example, a direct response video will and should look very different than an awareness ad. Right. So in that case, you need to lead with branding in the first frame. The entire Mm. creative shouldn't run more than 10 seconds. That's why we need to know the CTA right right out of the gate, because it helps inform all of our creative decisions. And I would imagine after producing so many, you almost develop these like, you know, dare I say best practices, these like um, predictable, successful formats 
that that's how you're able to probably accelerate the, the process um, from the get-go. So the format then is likely to drive, you know, and the KPI is likely to drive these uh, actionable insights. So uh, this is a, this is a, a, a term that I'm I'm guessing is you know uh, proprietary to VidMob or maybe something you came up with yourself. What what are actionable insights? Oh, I love this question. You get me so excited. <laughs> so you've heard me kind of mentioning creative analytics a few times now, and it's the data and analytics that allows us to identify what the actionable insight is. So AI technology is incredible, as I mentioned, the avocado mm-hmm. chair. And it's giving us this ability to identify what's what's working and what's not working in a piece of creative, literally frame by frame. So it can tell us how colors, objects, sounds, everything impacts creative performance. And so it uncovers data. So like an example might be, this is made up, but like overlaying a voiceover track on top of your music track will increase click through by 70% for that ad, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than just music alone. So that's a, that's a data point that we can pull. And so the insights take that data to the next level. So if we keep going with this example, based on the data, the next step would be doing, like, if we were just like, okay, 70% increase when there's VO. Great. Mm-hmm. So obviously the next step is to add VO to all of my ads moving forward. That's That right. feels very like data, boom, that's what I should do. Mm-hmm. But when we dig deeper into that data point of why is it increasing 70% when we add VO? Maybe we uncover, actually, it's the VO when you're giving a testimonial of the product. And that's when it's performing really well, right? Versus, um, you know, more of an explainer type thing. So when someone's saying, I used this, I'm, I am like validating that it's an amazing product, I loved it, maybe that's the VO that's actually driving performance. So that digging deeper into the data point is what actually gives us the the actionable insight, which tells us, okay, you need more VO and you need it centered around this messaging. And so that we can infuse into your ads and it will boost performance like crazy. So those insights are really fun. And that's the perfect example of the marriage right now between data and humans. We use the data and they're the breadcrumbs. And then the humans Mm -hmm. go in and really find that strategic opportunity to action on. Uh, it's such an important distinction because it's not just collecting data. I mean, the world is awash with data. The challenging part is, well, what do we do with it, right? The, mm-hmm. the so what, and then what are the implications of that? That's the, it's an insight, but then there's an action that comes uh, out from that. I love that. We, you know, we're on this theme around, you know, VO or sound, how it could potentially um, impact the campaign. You know, are there, um, how, how important is, you know, the sonic element? I mean, obviously, if it's a video, it's all about the image. Sound often plays this supporting role. Um, but, you know, d- you know, do your creative teams think about audio from the get-go? Or is it more like, let's map out the storyboard and then go back um, and figure, does this need a script? Does it not? Does it need a VO mm-hmm. or is music sufficient? Yeah, that's a great question. So sound is blowing up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. A few years ago, I would have answered this very differently. A few years ago, sound was a nice to have, right? right. I think it was something around the 70% mark of social media users would scroll through with sound off. Sound off, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so it was like build for sound off, delight with sound on. That was kind of the the paradigm. So so yeah, originally, um, you know, years ago, we would kind of just really focus on the visuals and then maybe like tack on a, an audio track at the end or like a little, you know, swipe up VO. Mm -hmm. And now it's like crazy to think that way because in the past two years with the rise of, frankly, I think work from home had a big impact on this. The rise, obviously, of TikTok, the rise of user-generated content, all of these things 
have changed the impact of sound dramatically. So mm-hmm. we're seeing how powerful sound is in, in keeping an audience engaged. And that's harder and harder to do these days, right? And so it impacts every single desired action from view through to click through to downloads now, for sure. Amazing. It's actually also a really uh, good observation that people need to be in the right environment to have the sound on. Mm -hmm. If you're sitting at home, you're on kind of like this lean back experience, the horizontal time, I call it, where you're, you know, (laughs) you're taking, taking a rest. Um, and you're looking at the phone in, in the privacy and comfort of your own home, of course, you're, you're, you're more likely to have sound on in that situation um, versus, you know, walking down the street or being waiting for, you know, unless you have, of course, earbuds on. But there's there, I think there's a certain contextual, um, you know, element here that's probably driving an increased desire, uh, desire for sound. Is there is there something to be said about that, the, the location where people might even be consuming the ad? Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think, you know, how people are interact. like, that's why, again, work from home is such a big thing, right? You might have been mm. in your office, make, you know, sneaking through reels, and now you're on your couch doing it. And there's a lot, it's a lot more casual, and you're able to have your sound on. I also think there's this element of like FOMO. <laughs> there's a higher like fear of missing out now on the content and on like, how funny it is or how impactful it is now. Because sound just plays a more dominant role, right? So when you're mm-hmm. scrolling, you're you're much more uh, used to sound making a big impact, and so you don't want to miss anything. So even like when I'm riding the subway, people are just much more likely to you know crank up the sound, even if it's bothering people. They oh, don't really? Want to sound. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't have headphones on. That, that actually <laughs> sometimes happens in our home, but um, where there's like multiple audio tracks playing at the same time, that, that oh, yeah. kind of stuff kind of drives me crazy, but I'm totally. just like, can, can we have like one, you know, soundtrack of our life going on right now? <laughs> it's also um, just classic New Yorkers. They, they don't think anybody right. else exists, but I'm allowed to say it cause I am one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, uh, designing originally designing for sound off it, you know, so is it fair to say then that, you know, now it's designing for sound on, like thinking about like an audio first experience, like, yes, it's visual, but you know, it's it's almost, uh, you know, on, on equal footing, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think traditionally when we would think about designing for sound off, it was, it meant that a viewer can grasp the key takeaway of the ad without needing to watch it with sound, right? right. So there were eye-catching visuals, on-screen copy, clear and concise messaging, but now it's not good enough to just delight with sound on, right? So per your earlier point, like we need to be thinking about the impact of sound from the first frame, from the beginning Mm. of the idea, right? Because sound can affect the tone of the brand. It affects the narrative arc. It affects visual pacing, all of which dramatically impacts greater performance. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's super helpful. I mean, I, I know I've seen, I'm going to call them more organic um, posts and, and content where, there's like, you know, the the sticker, if you will, that's like, you know, turn the sound on. And because it's almost like people had to be encouraged. Um, Conditioned, so. really, because yeah. it was so foreign. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. So um, you'd mentioned, you know, uh, social media as well, too, as being another venue for brand marketers to think about leveraging sound in their campaigns. What, what have you seen that's been effective? Is it is it really augmenting the video or is there kind of an audio only experience on either Instagram and TikTok just to kind of call those two out? Yeah. So I think platforms like TikTok and Instagram are really ahead of the game because they're constantly innovating how we can use sound to capture attention. And I frankly think we're at like the, the humble beginnings. Mm. So 
There are some classic creative techniques that use sound. I mentioned pacing, which is about syncing the visuals to like the beat of the music to drive a brand story forward. Um, and I think took, TikTok actually took that to the next level by introducing new forms of pacing, right? Mm. So they slow videos way down, they time lapse, they do reversals. So that introduces a whole new way to think about how the sound kind of complements that. So it's an entirely new way for brands to play with sound. And then, of course, there's user-generated content, which is absolutely booming, um, which often leans into speaking directly to audience, right? So everything from humor to uh, statistics, education, to actually build brand recognition and credibility. So, and then lastly, one of the most innovative ways that I'm excited about that still I think is so interesting is like ASMR, like which is Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Um, I don't know if it's like one of your guilty pleasures, but I, I catch people just listening so, to like the so crumpling the, paper. So for our <laughs> listeners, what, what, what is this? Because this came up in conversation just yesterday about... <laughs> See, it's the hot topic. Uh, a, yeah, a, 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 a soundtracks that people actually listen to while they're working. I don't know if people listen to it while they're working or if it's just, again, to fall asleep. But what, what is this uh, for those who might be unfamiliar with the concept? Yeah, so it is, in its totality, it's any sound that actually elicits like a physical sensory response. So it can, it totally depends on you as the individual. So it might be the sound of somebody, you know, like, crinkling saran wrap quietly into a microphone or somebody just like whispering really quietly, like all of, and so people are just kind of experimenting and playing with sound. And when you find a sound that resonates with you, it literally creates a physical like tingling sensation in your body. And so people are really mm. attracted to it and, and want to incorporate it as like almost a method of meditation, a method of calm. And it's weird, right? That's really weird. <laughs> is it is it meant to be like pleasurable or is it meant to sure. evoke like a clear thought or what, what's, what's the, what's the purpose might I ask? Yeah, I, it's definitely meant to um, evoke a, a sense of calm mm. and truly that's why I kind of equate it to meditation, right? It's definitely mm -hmm. meant to be pleasurable for sure. And so I, I would argue that advertisers have, have just begun, if not haven't even really considered how they, this can play into their creative but imagine the power that a, a brand could have to literally elicit a positive physical response, literally a tingling right. sensation in your audience from the sound in your ad campaign. Yeah, I mean, that that certainly would be powerful more than just kind of, oh, it resonates with my heart. It kind of like yeah. actually I physically respond to it. <laughs> yeah. um, now, I, I would imagine it's almost like having like your favorite color. I would I, it's almost like your favorite sound or your favorite sound effect. Mm -hmm. um, and you respond to it um, positively, I, I think, yep. is where we're going. Is there, you know, is there any risk, um, because it is such a new concept, is there any risk in, you know, an advertiser, you know, picking a sound or incorporating a sound that, you know, half the audience likes and the other half the audience, like, cringes and they're just like, oh, no, that's like fingernails on chalkboard. Like, that yeah. it just has the opposite effect. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I, I think that that is a risk, right? I think there's also some people that just find it creepy. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think that it's right now it's still kind of living in that niche. And that's probably one of the reasons that marketers have been hesitant to adopt right. it because it's not one size fits all, right? right? So it's tricky because even if you have an audience by demographic or geographic, like, that doesn't translate to how a sound resonates in an individual's body, right? Yeah. So it's a trickier way to target an audience for sure. Well, well, I was, um, I first came across that acronym, um, on a YouTube 
playlist. And all I all it was was just somebody whispering, almost like gibberish. I didn't really even understand what it was. So thank you for uh, for leveling me up on on that one because. <laughs> Um, I was unaware not only of the purpose and the response um, that someone might have, but also a potential opportunity for um, for advertisers to think, you know, yet a new way to incorporate sound. Beyond ads themselves, though, how else are you seeing clients, you know, as I say, incorporate sound into their overall branding? Are they are they thinking about, you know, um, you know, a, a sonic logo? Or, you know, how how can I place this on other mediums? Maybe a, even as primitive as a phone system or a contact center, like yeah. maybe just to get the, get the juices flowing of some other ways that you're seeing um, uh, that brands are using sound. Yeah. I mean, I think the smartest brands are using sound to differentiate themselves and to create an immediate recognition with their audience, right? Just like the power of a logo or of like a color palette. Like you can literally, if you, you can like Google, like look up, see brands by color and you'll be like, oh, that's Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, that's Starbucks. Like you'll just know and it's crazy mm. because it's almost subconscious. So the smartest brands are definitely using sound to create a similar, uh, elicit a similar response. So I think the most recognizable sound clients have used, you know, used sound over the last 50 decades. Like the most uh, familiar one is jingles. So mm-hmm. I think about like, we are farmers, bum, 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 or I yeah. still know, the, I still to this day know the Empire Carpet installation phone number by heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's 1-800-588-2300-EMPIRE today. Like there those you things go. stick, right? And think, yeah. I mean, think about like, I cannot remember, you know, my friend's birthday, but I know the entire, like I can wrap all of Eminem, you'd lose yourself. There's something about sound and the power of sound that links to memory. So it would be a huge miss if if brands weren't taking advantage of sound mm-hmm. and so the nature of the jingle though has definitely creatively evolved so from long bef- like long form broadcast spots yeah. and that you know that could again be uh you know an entire song versus now you literally just have a few notes because you only have like six seconds on social right right and so you can you have to do it in a few in just a few chimes and so uh but it's kind of similar to playing the game of this. These two colors make you think of a brand. You've won something. You've you've hit gold. If if two little chimes, people know. Oh, that's State Farm, right? Or right. Well, it originally is. it was you know that's Intel or you yep. turn on a Mac. Oh, that's the Mac chime. Yeah. Um, probably the most popular one in our household. There's the Netflix chime when you boot oh, up yeah, Netflix, totally. and then you're like, all right, it's it's showtime. We know yeah. something's happening around here. So yeah. Um, I, I you know, but you know, there's repeatable. It's, it, what I'm hearing is how they're being used. It's it's almost like part of the behavior itself. Like we're starting to engage with either a physical product and that's the time to use it. Um, you know, a, a kind of a booting up sequence or even kind of a winding down sequence mm-hmm. um, would be one option. You know, and I, I'll, I'll use a, another one of my favorite examples because it gives me comfort when I call um, American Express and I hear their, again, to use the term little, you know, chime or, you know, jingle at the beginning, I know that I've called the right place. It's almost mm-hmm. like reassuring that I didn't hit the wrong number. And, you know, I just, I know I'm going to be kind of, you know, um, put through the, through the call in, in, in good order. So, um, there's, I think there's a time and a place, uh, for it where inserting it randomly and maybe in conflict with other sonic elements, it probably is going to lose its impact. But yeah. having it as a standalone piece during the experience of engaging with, you know, your product or service, 
um, seems like a seems like a good place uh, to fit it in. Any other funny any other funny examples that you wanted to share around kind of sound and <laughs> campaigns? Well, I was going to say it's kind mm-hmm. of a tragedy because I think some more digitally native brands that started out online and kind of in this new age, I think some of them are really missing out on sound based branding opportunity, right? Like they have there some of them are still just really leaned into um, you know just throwing on an audio track and getting kind of direct response ads out there. But one, one, I think the way that they're approaching it is different and that they're really leaning into the user user generated content. Mm -hmm. Right. So they have kind of those like slogans that people are saying over and over again, and that start to resonate with an audience or they have brand ambassadors. They have like the same person representing their brand. And so they're, they're using, and that's very common, right? Characters like flow from progressive or Geico, um, the gecko from Geico. So you start to associate their voices with that brand. And for your point, like they give you that sense of comfort and familiarity. And then there's brands that have those mascots, those characters, those ambassadors that actually don't speak, which I mm. actually find that very surprising. Um, and obviously it's purposely done. You know, it's like, it's kind of like when you go to Disney, none of the characters in the costumes, you know, the the, the actors in the costumes, they're told not to speak because people have this voice of what they actually sound yeah. like pretty embedded because of all the, all the videos um, and, and yep. movies that they've seen. However, you think of like the Energizer Bunny or, you know, Ronald McDonald, again, probably an older example that not used, but I mean, there's, there's, there's many others where you even have the mascot and why yeah. wouldn't you it's encourage to kind of f- further personify it, right? And yeah. then... Um, and kind of lend it uh, a bit more of a, another dimension to the to the character itself. Totally agree. Um, well, what's uh, what's next for you and the team at VidMob? Um, I'd love to hear if there's anything on deck, and, and maybe um, you know something that uh, again the listeners might be uh, might be curious about how to uh, how to engage with you. But what's what's next for you and the team? Yeah. Uh, so the big the big thing that we're really focused on right now is actually user generated content. So we've talked about it quite a bit, and there's a reason for that, right? It is um, it's it's the place to be for advertisers right now. It's relating to an audience on their level, like as peers. It's creating this this sense of you know aspirational longing for um, products and services, and so it's something that we're really excited about tackling. And it's definitely. Mm-hmm. It's in our wheelhouse and it's also, you know, introducing fun new um, ways for us to kind of push ourselves creatively. That's that's the big thing that Mob, our, you know, our, our kind of tagline is evolving creativity for the better. So mm-hmm. the day that we ever say that we've nailed creative is the day that we're dead in the water. <laughs> right. So we're always, always pushing our own boundaries. And what's and it obviously, again, like we have these data and analytics to help us raise the floor. Right. So we're we're ingesting that now about user generated content. And so we can understand what works, what doesn't. And then, I mean, imagine the power of being able to go to that influencer and say, hey, listen, it actually works better when you are wearing you know, a white shirt, when you're standing outside and when you sound really excited. And oh, my God. Right. Like we just saved ourselves 50 reshoots, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars for that client. There's just through the power of data and analytics. Right. So we're really excited about what we can kind of bring and drive within the user generated content space. And then the other one that we're really excited about too is augmented reality. Um, Mm. So again, the minute that we're, you know, we video is our bread and butter. And so we're like, cool, now what? (laughs) And augmented reality, again, like new ways to engage with an audience in real time, right. And have them interact with elements of your brand uh, as a really, really exciting development and kind of putting things within their world 
Um, so those are two spaces that we're really excited to just continue to well, dig into. Jamie, what it sounds like is, you know, working with your clients, those advertisers, to not merely produce content and push it out and refine it, but that that next level is engaging with people so that they respond either um, the content that they're producing, they're almost like co-creating the campaign. Yeah. And then that, uh, you know, that may be in the home and then out there in the world, um, having this augmented reality overlays um, of, you know, the, you know, what they see and feel and experience around them. That's really, um, really exciting. Well, for those um, that might want to get in touch with you and the team, um, experiment with their ad campaigns, what's the best way that they can reach you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can literally shoot me an email um, at at Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at vidmob.com. And then go to vidmob.com as well. And there's a lot of resources and ways to connect uh, through our website. Oh, incredible. Well, thank you, um, Jamie, for joining me today. Uh, I thought this was really fascinating and we had such a great uh, conversation. Well, until next time, I'm David Cicerelli, the founder and CEO of Voices, and you've been listening to Voice Branding. Thanks so much, David.